0: Charles Spurgeon said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're ships without wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are... Two, three, testing. <laughs> two bars. We know better than to do it with one bar. There was two. There's three bars showing you how many batteries. And I put it on with two this morning. Anyways, it went out. What a great illustration about what happens when we don't have the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen. <laughs> Jesus never referred to the Holy Spirit as just a resource, just a helper, or just an experience. I, I want to. I want to Before I get in the works of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk to you again about the person of the Holy Spirit. You're going to continue to hear me say this over and over and over. He is a person, not an it. He's not a mystique. He's not some kind of cosmic phenomenon. He is God and He is a person. He is always presented. Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit as more than just a helper, a resource, and an experience. In fact... He presented the Holy Spirit with a personal noun or pronoun setting forth his person or personality. In John's Gospel, in three verses, he uses a pronoun nine times when he talks about the Holy Spirit in John 16. As a matter of fact, all together in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he refers 19 times to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, folks, is more than a feeling. He's more than an emotion. He's more than an experience. He is a person to be invited into our life to live inside of us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen. And as we talked about last week, when you pray in tongues, it makes more room for for Him. He's more than a feeling. Listen, I'm going to go back in time now with you, but the old 70s rock group Boston had it right. It's more than a feeling. Amen? Amen. He is more than a feeling. Some of you are smiling, others you are looking and going, Boston, what's he talking about? <laughs> Margaret, what's he talking about? In Acts chapter 2, there are reports not only the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but Acts 2 also describes the various responses of the people to the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this? The, and anytime you want to know how people are going to respond or what. What's going to happen in the future? Go to the first instance you see something in the Bible, and you're going to continue to see that pattern throughout the rest of history. So what do I mean by that? In Acts chapter 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So there's one group of people when they're taught about the Holy Spirit, they're going to immediately receive. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit with gladness. They're going to receive speaking in tongues. They're going to receive whatever the Holy Spirit has to offer. Everybody say amen. Hopefully we're all in that group. Then you're going to find a second group of people that we find in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verse 6, 7, and 12. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Verse 12, so they were all amazed. And perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? You're going to have a second group of people when you teach on the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be confused. They're going to be amazed. They're going to be perplexed. They're going to not understand. Maybe some of you, the, this whole teaching is new to you. You're not raised in a tradition. Maybe you're in a church. In our small group, we talked about this week how many people... Had never even heard of the Holy Spirit, never heard about teaching in, in, in tongues and, and so forth. And so this teaching may seem, wow, I'm confused, I don't understand, I'm amazed, I'm perplexed. You got all those. Then there is a third group of people, and you find them in Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Others mocking said, these are full of noon wine. There will be people when you teach on the Holy Spirit that will tell you. They'll mock it. They'll tell you speaking in tongues is not for today. They'll tell you this is not from God. And and, they'll, and the list will go on and on. My only comment is this. Be very, very careful saying what the Holy Spirit is doing is not from God. Because that is dangerously close to blasphemy. That is what the what Jesus told the, the uh, Pharisees when he rebuked them and said, Hey, you guys need to be careful because what he was doing, they were attributing what Jesus was doing, the works of the Holy Spirit, to the works of the devil. And that is where Jesus said, hey, you know what? All sins will be forgiven except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Be very, very careful listening to someone tell you that the Holy Spirit is not from God, speaking in tongues is not from God. I will tell you this. One night on late night show, and I, I've always enjoyed, I thought he was a funny guy, Robin Williams. But one day he was on a thing and he started mocking, speaking in tongues on like a Jay Leno type show. And it wasn't long after he committed suicide. Be very, very careful about grieving and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There's three groups of people, folks. There's those that are going to receive, those that are confused and don't understand, and those that will mock. And that's the way it is today. There are some people today, that will receive with gladness. Four people received with gladness recently. Yes, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. We had someone in our small group say, well, I haven't spoken tongues yet, but, but I'm hungry for it. I'm, I'm hungry for the person of the Holy Spirit. But praise God, there will be others And maybe you're in this category here. And you say, Man, I just don't understand. Well, that's why we're doing the series. But don't ever be very, very careful falling in the category of mocking because it doesn't end well. Church historians and researcher David Barnett, in his book Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movements, charted the growth of Pentecostal movements over the years. Here's over the years. Here's what he found. Let me throw some statistics up because I, I, I hear people say, "Oh, well, this whole spirit thing, you know, it's a, it's a few little factions of people. It's, you know, I don't. It's just not." the majority of christianity well let's look at what the facts show. and this this is a guy who did a lot of research on this in 1900 there were 500 million christians in the world 3 million spirit filled or testified to being spirit filled that's about 1 to 150 by 1970 this is after azusa street revival and and the and the revivals the, the welsh revival and some of the great revivals throughout the throughout the world that were going on in the early 1900s by 1970 there was 884 million Christians, 72 million spirit-filled, 1 to 11. But I want you to watch as we get closer to the end times at the amount of Christians that testify being spirit-filled. In 1980, there were 1 billion Christians, 158 million spirit-filled, 1 to 6. In 1989, there were 1.1 billion Christians on the planet Earth, 358 million spirit-filled, that's 1 to 4. Look at how many more are getting baptized in the Spirit. In 1992, there were 1.2 billion Christians, 393 million spirit-filled. That's 1 to 3. In 1996, there were 1.3 billion Christians, 400 million spirit-filled, 1 to 3. In 2000, there were 1.7 billion Christians, 460 million spirit-filled, 1 to 3. In 2002, there were 2 billion Christians, 500 million Spirit-filled ratio of 1 to 4. What is it today? Today there are nearly 2 billion Christians on planet earth. Listen, the next time the devil tells you you're the only one and you're not believing, look, 2 billion Christians on planet earth. Over 600 million testify to being spirit-filled. That's one out of three. 33% of Christians around the world testify that they are spirit-filled, tongue-talking, fire-baptized, devil-stomping men and women of God. Somebody say amen! Woo! In fact, over half of all the missionaries in the world today testify to being spirit-filled. Folks, this isn't a small faction. This isn't some new phenomenon. The Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. And if we're willing to receive, He is willing to come. Somebody say amen. amen. That's something to be excited about right there. In Numbers chapter 11, I, I, I just find the story so funny. Moses is whining. He doesn't have enough help. And honestly, you know, have you ever tried to lead a million whining, complaining people through a desert with no water and food? You'd probably be like Moses too. And so he's whining to God. And God says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 70 helpers. I'm going to take the Spirit on you and put it on them and put the Holy Spirit on them. And you're going to get some help. Amen. So Moses says, great. So he calls 70 of his elders to the tabernacle. Man, 68 of them show up, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, they begin to prophesy. I love it. But then Eldad Dad and me, Dad are hanging out in the camp saying, you know, I'm not too sure about this spirit thing. I'm not too sure about Moses and Tabernacle. I ain't feeling like going to church today. I'm just gonna hang out in camp. They can do what they want. Well, I'm to them while they're hanging out in camp. The same spirit that falls on 68 of them in the tabernacle falls on them in the camp. Boom. They're at their local Walmart. and All of a sudden, they begin to prophesy. And their eyes are big. And some little guy sees this and gets mad about it and runs to Moses and says, Moses, we got two guys in the camp prophesying. They're breaking the rules. We prophesy in the tabernacle only. They're prophesying at Walmart. Do something. Well, this enrages Joshua. Joshua, the guy who's always ready for a fight, and that's probably why God let him go to the Canaan land across the Jordan. He shows up, and he looks at Moses, and when fire in his voice, there's an explanation point here. He says, Moses, stop them. They're breaking the rules. You can only have the Spirit of God come on you in church. Moses says, are you really getting jealous for my sake? And he says, I would to God that all of his people have the Spirit of God come upon them. Woo! Moses, who had no concept whatsoever of the Holy Spirit being poured out on someone. Look, this is the God. I'm going to hit this in coming weeks. That when they looked and they hear about the Holy Spirit, mountains are on fire. Man, his voice is thundering. And the people are terrified. Moses, you go up and talk to him and deal with that. You come back and tell us. We don't want anything to do with that. Moses is standing there and he says, Hey, I would to God that all God's children be filled with his Spirit. Moses understood something that many preachers and people in Christianity today don't understand. It is God's desire from the very beginning to pour out His Spirit on His people. And look, you don't have to wait until you get to church to have the Spirit of God come on you and to speak with other tongues and anything else the Holy Spirit wants to do. It can happen anywhere. Someone say amen. There's no rules and regulations. And here, why did God pour out His Spirit upon those 70? What was God trying to accomplish? He was trying to raise up people to do the work of His kingdom. He realized Moses wasn't enough, so he said, I'm going to put my Spirit on 70 more to help lead the body of of God, the the children of Israel, and we're going to do the works of the ministry. So, let's talk about some of the Holy Spirit's works. Are you ready? Say amen. Number one, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Everybody say convict. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 8. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Listen, Jesus is telling the disciples and us, he's speaking here. He says it's to your benefit and advantage that I leave. In other words, you're about to receive someone else in your life. That is going to be, this is going to be a great thing. Because while I'm on this earth, you can see me, touch me, and I'm over here. But when I leave, I'm going to send my spirit inside of you. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, listen, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The main mission... The most primary mission of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives is to convict us of our sin. No one can come to God without the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. You want to see a couple of examples? I want to show them to you. Acts 2.37. Watch what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. Simon Peter begins to preach. So you've got the word going forth. You've got the Holy Spirit convicting. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Pierce there, or pricked there, means pierce thoroughly, or agitate violently. Listen, it is a dangerous place to be when we don't want to be agitated violently inside due to our sin. And it's a worse, it's a, it's a worse desecration of the gospel for pastors to, not, to want to avoid people being convicted to the point they'll never preach on sin, and they'll never invite the Holy Spirit to convict. Folks none of us will come to God if we're not under conviction. It is a good thing when we're pierced in our hearts for the things that we have done wrong. Somebody say a good amen. We should be tore up if we're living with our girlfriend or our boyfriend and we're having sex outside of marriage. It ought to agitate us violently to where we can't sleep till we repent and get that right. It ought to absolutely just 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 pierce us through when we go out and we get Totally drunk or we get high and we wake up the next morning. It's a good thing if the Holy Spirit's going, you shouldn't have done that last night. And you feel, oh, I feel so bad inside. That's not the bad news, folks. That's the grace of God. Man, I feel this so strong. I would to God that such conviction hit the United States of America that people crawl to the altars of God again, that people run to the church house again and say, Brothers, what must I do to be saved? I dare not to pastor a church where there's never conviction, where the Holy Spirit's not radically dealing with people. Oh, I would to God that we cry out and say, Oh, God, have mercy on my soul. What a dangerous place to be, to live in sin with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, to be drunk all the time, to cheat and steal and lie and live that lifestyle and never feel conviction. Don't you understand that those that practice these things are on their way to hell? Pastor, man, I don't know about this preaching. It's the gospel. Acts 7.54 says this. When they heard these things Stephen was preaching, they were cut to the heart. Cut means saw asunder. They were exasperated. And they at their teeth. Ah! Look, man, that's some conviction. When a preacher's preaching, I've had some people, I've had people tell me, man, my husband cussed you out all the way home. I've, I've I've had a lot of things. Fortunately, I've never had anybody get out of their seat and run towards me with gnashing of teeth. If they did, I'm calling for help. Leon! Pete! Somebody! They're gnashing teeth at me. In other words, they were so convicted over their sin, they just, ah! Man, I would to God we get to that point. That's a good thing, folks. It's not the bad news. It's the good news. It's God warning us that we're going the wrong way. If you were blindly walking to a cliff, a thousand foot cliff, you didn't know it was there, and you're blindly walking towards it, and you're about to step off to your death, and someone says, hey, hey, you're about to fall off the cliff, don't keep going that way, would you say, man, I'm really tired of you riding me all the time? I wish you'd just cut me a break. Time you show up. Here he goes again. Or would you say, man, thank you. You saved my life. The Holy Spirit is saying, if you continue on this path, you're going to die spiritually and in other ways. We shouldn't look at him and say, I'm I'm not going to church anymore because when I go to church, all I do is feel bad. Praise God that you can feel bad. What's dangerous is when you get to the place where you no longer feel. Well, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You need to hear what I'm saying. Look, if someone in your family came to you and they said, Man, that's it. I'm going and I'm going to find the local drug dealer. I'm shooting up heroin tonight. I've had enough. Would you not say, Whoa, wait a minute. Don't you realize you could die? Man, this, this road is going nowhere and fast. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away from that. And, and wouldn't you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, how about this? Would you get aggravated and frustrated if they said, look, you just need to stop preaching at me. Stop judging me. I'm tired of you Christians judging me all the time. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to spare you from bondage, hurt, and, and possible death. Don't you realize you shoot up one time, you could die? Don't do it. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to save your life. And when a preacher like this gets up here, and I've fought hell and demons all week long, and with all my heart tell you, listen to me, God is calling you to repent. I'm not judging you. I'm not getting on your butt. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is saying, warning, warning, warning. It's time to get it right. My god, this is the good news. It's like driving down the road and you see a sign and it's a skull and crossbones and underneath it says the road's out and there's a guy with an orange flag and he's going dangers ahead. The road's out. Don't go there. Would you look at him, roll the window down, say, quit telling me what to do. i live my life the way I see fit. Man, I don't know who this is for. I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell somebody in here. He's done everything he knows to do. He's the guy waving the flag going, don't do it anymore. And you keep saying... I'll live my life the way I want. I know what's best for me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you. I can't plead enough. God is telling you, repent. There's danger ahead. You won't like the outcome. Get it right. Repent. Walk away from that and walk towards Him. This is the good news today. He has placed you here for such a time as this. He is pleading. He is saying there's danger. Don't you understand? I'm using every example I can think of. And I'm here. Please, please hear this preacher this morning. Please hear this preacher and repent of whatever it is. Man, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He always points to Jesus. He leads us to the person of Jesus, and Lord, our Lord and Savior. Look what John 16 says. Amen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes. Look, if you say, well, I'm tired of hearing what He has to say. I don't want to hear the truth anymore. He can't help it. He's, that's all He is, truth. So when He shows up, truth comes with Him. Would you rather have the devil come? He's the father of lies and there's no truth in him. Look, you either got truth coming or you got lies coming. Which one would you rather have? He will guide you into what? All truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Simon Peter, you've got to understand this. In Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens. Simon Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches, watch this, in Acts chapter 2, a well-organized, thoughtful sermon answering the questions of everyone who didn't understand, was perplexed, was confused, was amazed, and even those who mocked, all at the spur of the moment. He had no prep time. He didn't know this was the day it was coming. He didn't have time to study and prepare and say, oh, it happened. Here's the answer to it. It all happened in the spur of the moment. He preaches a well-organized, thoughtful sermon. And he's not even a preacher. He's a fisherman. There are two things I want you to notice about his sermon in Acts chapter 2. One is Peter referred to Old Testament scriptures. In fact, over half of his sermon in Acts 2, he quoted Old Testament prophets. Secondly, Simon Peter preached to them, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Remember, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. In his 26 verse sermon, which is a very well sermon, well preached. Do yourself a favor and read Acts 2 later today. 26 verses, a beautifully orchestrated, wonderfully anointed sermon in which in 26 verses he refers to Christ 25 times. And 5,000 people give their hearts to Jesus. And were are baptized. He does this in the spur of the moment. 50 days earlier, he's denying Christ to little girls. Now he's preaching like one of the greatest theologian preachers of all time. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit came upon him and inside of him. And... The Holy Spirit begins to speak. It's like a floodlight. When you put floodlights around your house or you're putting floodlights on an object of some sort, you know what? It, you're not meant to see the floodlight. No one is meant to drive by and go, wow, what a beautiful floodlight. The floodlight is on there to accentuate whatever it's shining on. Say so you say, what a beautiful house or what a beautiful statue Or what a beautiful object. Whoa, that's so pretty. You're not meant to pay any attention to the floodlight. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He always points to Jesus. Point number two is this. It's all right today? The Holy Spirit teaches us. Everybody say, teach us. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. He will guide you into all truth. And he'll apply the message to the heart of the disciples. Watch what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. Verse 10, but God has revealed. Revealed here means to take the cover off or disclose. He's opened our eyes to see. Them to us through his spirit. So how do we start understanding the Bible? The Bible says he pulls the covers off. The Holy Spirit reveals the, the truth of the Bible to us. For the Spirit searches, searches here means to seek or investigate. It means to diligently go after into the mind of the Father to completely understand how the Father's thinking and then teach us the spiritual truths. And for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, the depth, the extent, the mystery. The Holy Spirit has a, a, a thorough knowledge of the hidden counsels of God. He understands. He's the one that wrote the Bible. He wrote it. He put it down. I know men penned the words, but he wrote it. Who better to teach us than him? He is searching. He's the inquisitive personhood of God. He's searching the mind of the Father, and then he comes back, and he teaches us these biblical truths. If you want to understand the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. It is the person of the Holy Ghost to search out the deep things of God and teach them to us. One commentary says it this way. Our knowledge is only the glimmer of light upon the surface of the ocean of existence. Beneath are the deep things of God. Watch verse 12. Now we have received. Everybody say received. Received. Hopefully you have received the Spirit of God. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now we have received the Spirit of God that we might know the things That have been freely given to us by God. He helps us or reveals to us to know these wonderful truths of the Bible that he's given to us. The word know there means to fully understand and appreciate what God has conferred to us in the gospel. Verse 13 it says. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual who better to teach us the Word than Him? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says the Word of God is inspired. It is God-breathed into our hearts. So it is absolutely necessary, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher if the Bible is ever to truly be understood. This verse is better understood. He, the Holy Spirit will explain spiritual things to spiritual people. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, hey, it's for you to know the parables. You're spiritual people. I'm going to teach them to you. For all the other people, what they really want is bread and handouts and and healings. They're not really after me. I'm going to withhold the deep things of God from them. I want to know the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit, listen, can overcome the human limitations of voice, ear, and eyes, and brain. Why? He teaches in the classroom of the heart. The Holy Spirit can bypass your mind, your brain, and your ears and teach you in your spirit. Somebody say amen. This is why when you read the Bible, you should pray some of these scriptures. Psalm one nineteen eighteen. 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I do it when I read the Bible. Oh, God, open my eyes today that I could see what you're trying to tell me. Psalm 119, 12. Teach me your statues. Here's one. Jesus, with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, here's what he said in Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. If Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures, he'll do the same for us. And I do, I pray. When I get my Bible, I say, oh God, thank you, Jesus, for opening my mind to understand the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will teach us the word. Here's the danger. If we repeatedly read the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit, it tends to reinforce our own prejudices and our own rock-hard beliefs. We end up merely finding ammunition for what we already believe. Dangerous. We become so spiritually proud, so convinced of our own beliefs and positions that the Spirit is hindered in helping us to grow in the things of God. It is very difficult, look on the overhead. It is very difficult for all of us to come to the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, even if it goes against what I've been conditioned to believe. When we we pick up the Bible and we don't ask for the Spirit's help, it's like saying, God, do a new thing in me, but I'm not going to change anything I believe. There's been many times in my life, I've studied this Bible for 20-something years now. A lot of it in preaching lessons, verse by verse, word by word, passage by passage. And there's been times where I got in and I finally understood what the real meaning of the Greek or Hebrew word was. I understood finally through study what the verse was really saying. I understood the passage in the context of the whole book and in context of the word of God. And I realized it went contrary to what I formerly believed. At that point I got two choices. Either I accept what the Bible says and change my belief system, or I discount the Bible and hold more closely to what I falsely believe is not true. And that's what you see. When we do a a series on the Holy Spirit like this, there will be people that will say, well, Granny told me it's not from God, and I've had a few preachers say, you know, that's over with. And then you get we come in here and we do a series. You're either going to do one or two things. You're either going to say, well, Granny was wrong, or my former preachers were wrong, or whatever, and this is what the Bible says, and I'm going with the Bible says. Or you're gonna say, Well, the Bible, I hear what it says, but that's that's wrong. I'm gonna hold to my belief system. That's how you get into error, folks. Question that we got is: Are we gonna hear and receive what the Bible says? First John 2:27 says it this way. And for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. Hallelujah. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. Now, let me, just, let me just help you with something real quick. This is free. This won't cost you any extra. It's a little nugget. Anointing there. Do you know, you, I know you know this. I don't have time to go here, but just very quickly. You know, Jesus' last name was not Christ. He's Jesus the Christ. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. As for you, the anointing Christ you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone teach you, but as his anointing Christ, it's his anointing. It's inside of us, amen, and He will teach us what we need to know. He is a teacher that makes no mistakes. How many of you would like to know what the Bible really is saying? Point number three is this. I love this part. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Everybody say, empowers us. Here's what Jesus said on the road. After the road to Emmaus, one of the last things he said on earth, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, everybody say endued, with power from on high. There's two words I want to hit with you real quick, and that's endued and power. Endued means to invest with clothing or cover like a cloak, like putting a jacket on. Dake's annotated Bible says to put on, to be clothed with, to be clothed in, to be arrayed in. So that signs and wonders follow the word. The word power here is dunamis. Dunamis is from where we get our English word dynamite and dynamo. A person of boundless energy. It literally means force, miraculous power, divine power from above. Somebody say amen. So he said when I send the Holy Spirit, he's going to cover you in supernatural God power. Somebody say amen. I'm about to go somewhere. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power, same word dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So here's what he says. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you just to hang out until you be endued, until you be clothed with, until you be covered with power, dunamis, force, power from above. Miraculous God power. He said, This is listen, this is people say, oh, I don't want the Holy Spirit. So you don't want the power of God? You don't want to be covered in power of God? See, the enemy attacks and his weapons will not prosper. Why? Because you're covered with something. When you're spirit-filled and you're walking with God and you have been endued. You've been clothed with power from on high. The enemy forms some weapons against you, but the Bible says they won't prosper. Why? You ever seen Star Wars, and they shoot at a ship, and it's hitting this invisible shield? There's a force field, and the bullets can't get through. That's what this is like. So the devil comes running. He goes, man, I'm going to throw some fiery darts at you. And he goes, man, why ain't it getting through? Oh, Oh, man, he found out the truth. He's covered. He's clothed. With power from on high. And the devil goes, What? and his little amps and whims come and say man we can't get to Holly we can't get to them people of Bridge of Hope and and I we're trying to terrorize the pastor best we can because he keeps trying to tell them the answers to be covered and filled with the Holy Spirit and man now they're all covered and we can't do anything and what do we watch the next plan and the devil says boys there ain't much else we can do because that same power they're covered in is the same power to kick me out of heaven it's the same power that's going to bind me and the bottom pit for a thousand years. It's the same power that's going to banish me to hell forever and ever and ever. Boys, there ain't much we can do because them people at Bridge of Hope have done figured out that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Somebody shout glory! It's that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You want to hear how powerful it is to be clothed and covered in the Holy Spirit and His power? Romans 8 and 11. Watch this. The Bible says, if you'll pull down on the overhead. But if the Spirit of Him, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, woo, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, We'll also give life, zoe, animate life, real life, to your immortal bodies, through His Spirit who dwells in you. Folks, it's not you, it's who you are, it's what you're endued with. So you you feel led by God to go pray for someone who's sick and you lay hands on them and they get healed. Folks, it wasn't you, it's what you're endued with. (laughs) Someone else needs a miracle from God And you walk up you say Man I just feel led to pray for you And all of a sudden two days later They say man I got my miracle Thank you Say well thank the power of God That I'm clothed in It was the endowment that did it It wasn't me Somebody say amen Listen the Holy Spirit brings dead things back to life He specializes in it Uh huh See, when you get covered in the Holy Spirit, you need to expect your marriage to all of a sudden come back to life. I'm not sure what happened. We were fighting cats and dogs. We'd already been to the divorce lawyers. We man, we were on the verge. And I don't know what happened. We both got filled with the Holy Spirit. And now all of a sudden, we're honeymooners again. Now all of a sudden we're calling the lawyer, say, keep the money, but we're not divorcing anymore. He specializes. When you get endued with power from on high, he'll raise your dead marriage back to life. He'll raise raise your dead finances back to life he'll raise your dead fears and he'll kill them and he'll fill you with peace he'll raise your dead joy back to life your dead peace and when the doctor says there's no hope he'll raise your dead body back to life my blessed Lord when you're endued with power from on high well I wish somebody would praise him No, I wish somebody would praise him like you know what I'm talking about. Has he raised your dead marriage? Has he raised your dead life? Has he pulled you out of a deep miry clay? My blessed Lord, we need to be endued. Hallelujah. Can I keep going? I'm about to blow your mind. You ready? How many would say that Jesus being the Son of God could do whatever He wanted? He was full. He was God, right? Did Jesus see the need to be endued with power from on high? Well, let's just look. Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned in the... Jesus, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. He said, you know what? I know I'm the Son of God, but I can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Whew. And he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out throughout all the region surrounding Oh, hallelujah. When you get endued with power, when a church gets truly endued with power from on high, you don't have to spend thousands in marketing. People will hear what's going on and run to the house of God. It's supernatural advertisement. Luke 4 verse 18 what this is our our scripture as a church the spirit of the lord is upon me why because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed listen if jesus needed the power of the holy spirit in his life and in his ministry how much more do we The problem comes in, we don't, well, you know, I'm going to take a few days off from prayer and worship, and, you know, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing, and so I'm just going to set that down. Let me, let me come over here. In Jesus' name be healed, and nothing happens. That's because you're trying to do it in your flesh. And you've set aside the person who brings the power for that victory and that healing. It's good preaching. One American gentleman told his friend, I want to show you the greatest. They were in Niagara Falls. He said, look at that. That's the greatest unused power in the world right there. Look at all the power from that water. And the other man looked at him and said, man, you lost your mind. It ain't got nothing to do with that. The greatest unused power in the world today is the lack of people, the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Man, it's like one man, who went, he went into a chainsaw store and he said, man, I can cut four cords of wood an hour. Guy said, Well, with this chainsaw here, you can do it 20 an hour. He said, Man, that's incredible. Give me one. He bought it, come back three days later, flustered, frustrated, slammed it on the counter. He said, Man, you said this thing would help me. This thing only cuts one and a half cords of wood an hour. I've been doing four before. What in the world, man? This thing ain't helping. This thing is this is exhausting. It's killing me. The man said, What? The salesman's puzzle. He fires it up and cranks it, and the other guy looks at him and says, What's that? He never started it. He never ignited it. He never used the chainsaw to its full potential. That's what happens when we try to do life and live life in our own. Don't worry, God, I got this. And you'll exhaust yourself, and you'll wear yourself out. But I want to hear tell you something. If you'll just get endued with power from on high, my blessed Lord, you'll see the sick healed. You'll see your finances change. You'll see lives transformed. Man, I'm telling you, if we'll get filled with the Spirit, if we'll get do with power from on high, if we'll pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, we will see the Word. Of God in our life and others. John 14, 12 says it this way: Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do what? Also? How? Endowment with power from on high. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. In other words, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on you and inside of you, and you will do the works of God. It's like this glove. You know, I can look at this glove and say, Hey, I want you, glove, to go out and rake the yard. And I throw it down. I go inside. I think, Ben, this is the greatest glove ever. I go inside, drink me some iced tea. Man, I read my Bible. I come back out. Nothing's done. I can look at the glove all day long and say, What is wrong with you, glove? What meaneth this? The man told me if I bought you... That we could get more work done. But this ain't working. No, no. See, it was designed for a hand to go inside. Now it becomes a useful tool. This is us without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go preach today. Ain't nobody getting saved. Ain't nothing happening. I'm going to go lay hands on the sick today. Ain't nothing happening. Wait a minute. Something's wrong, God. We get in the prayer closet and God says, I'll tell you what's wrong. <laughs> you not only need to be covered on the outside. You need to let the Holy Spirit come in on the inside. Inside. And now you go preach the gospel and you will see people saved. And now you will see the sick raised and healed and delivered and set free. You will see Brother Steve Hoskins with reports from the doctor that say, Hey, less than 1%. It was 50. Now it's hard to even find it. Man, I come to tell somebody, when you left the Holy Ghost... When you let the Holy Spirit get inside, we'll see the miracles. We'll see the power, the endowment. We are a tool in the hands of God. Somebody say amen. Galatians 3.3, Paul wrote and He said, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Paul is saying to the Galatian church, you started with endowment... But you set it aside. You're foolish. Last point and I'll close with this. The Holy Spirit anoints us. 1 John 2.20 But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Whew. Anointing or unction here means smear. Unendowment. To be completely covered. He says look here. He said you've got... An anointing from the Holy Ghost. Woo! You've got what you need. You're covered. You're endowed. You're endued with the Holy Spirit. Florida State has a tradition. They're called the Glitter Guys. Come to every home game. garnet and gold. Glory to God. I got a cheer for somebody after last Sunday. Garnet gold. You can't, watch this, you can't really see who they are. You can't see their imperfections. If they had surgery, you can't see their scars. You can't really see their face. You, you in fact, if they took a shower got all that off and stood before you, you probably would not even know it's those guys. You can't see them. You only see what they're covered in. So when people see us in the spirit realm, what do they see? Do they see what we're covered in? When the devil comes to attack my clefane on your clefane household and tries to terrorize you and your family, what does he see? Does he see you all covered and endued with something that in the natural world they can't see? You see, we can't see who they are. It's like clear coat over a car. It helps preserve the paint. You can see the paint, but the clear coat makes it shine. Oh man, I'm here to tell somebody, when you get endued with power from on high, (laughs) there is power. Devil's Come and they're like well I'll see if I can irritate him, But I can't really mess with him Unless they let me Because he's covered in the power of the Holy Spirit Man the Holy Spirit is to help us Let's pray I, I, want, I want you just to bow your heads And close your eyes I want you to get ready Because God's about to induce some people With power from on high You need to hear what I'm saying this morning God's about to induce some of you With power from on high He is here to convict us Oh, this is not a time to mess around. If you're under conviction in any way, I want you to slip your hand in the air. God's going to come by. Uh, Yes, God is going to come by, but somebody from the altar team is going to come by and pray for you. Who are you? If you're under conviction at all, I want you to raise your hand up. This is God pleading with you. He's here to teach you and empower you. Let me ask you, would you like conviction in your life to keep you out of the ditch? Would you like the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Bible? Would you like the Holy Spirit to empower you for life? Would you like to be covered in the anointing of the Holy Ghost? If your answer to any of that is yes, my Lord, I hope it's everybody in here. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to boldly just say it out loud. Just say, God, and do me with power if I'm on high. Oh, God, cover me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, hallelujah. There's a wave of His Spirit about to hit. I want you to raise your hands. Look, look, everybody look at me. You see, when you, there's two forms of raising your hands in praise. One you do like this is to show honor and surrender. But todah means to raise our hands in acceptance of blessings not yet received. I want you to hold your hands in a a form of receiving. And just say, Lord, teach me. Lord, endue me with power from on high. Come on, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. As they begin to lead us in worship, waves of the Holy Spirit, He is here. Waves of the Holy Spirit is going to hit you. Oh, if you've never spoken tongues and you and you and the Spirit is on you, just speak out what's in, what's in your spirit. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. Come on, just praise it. Just say, God, endue me with power.